Well, it's so good to be back in the house tonight at First New Testament. Some of you will remember us. Uh, my wife Dina and myself, Josiah, our son, who is on on the keyboard. We have another son visiting tonight, Christopher. And just so good to be back at FNT after, mm, has it been two years now that we've been on the field and uh, serving as missionaries in Belgium and across Europe with the, the student ministry called Students for Christ. And, uh, and we had an opportunity to come back this, this month for another son's graduation from university in Texas. So um, FNT was gracious enough to have us, uh, to allow us to stay in the, in the church house next door once again. It feels like home. <laughs> And it's good to be back here tonight and to worship with you. Um, God is doing good things across the earth. Even though we see many things happening in our society, God is still at work. He is still working behind the scenes and sometimes in the front of the scene. And so we're so thankful for what he's doing. I just want to share with you from the word tonight. Um, we're going to be here in the States for a few weeks. And then we head back to Europe. Where we will continue our ministry there in Belgium and across Europe with Students for Christ. But let's look in. Uh, let's look in. Am I on here? Let's see. Following. We talk about following Jesus. Oops. Following Jesus. Imitating Paul tonight. Imitating Paul, following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, being a Jesus follower all the days of our lives and what that means. And for Paul, it meant something very deep and profound as he wrote a letter in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 24 to 29 is what we'll, we'll park in tonight for a few minutes and we want to see what Paul is addressing to the Colossians. The text says this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Amen. Holy Spirit, once again you are welcome in this place. Come and speak to us now through your word. Let the speaker take a back seat and let you 
become preeminent. May you become preeminent. May you speak to our hearts, Lord God. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart disposed to understand and a will to put into practice what we hear tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is Paul? Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, even though he grew up as an observant Jew. Where is he writing this letter to the Colossians? He's writing from Rome. What is going on in his life at this moment? Well, he's in prison for the gospel. Where are the Colossians? Where is the city of Colossae? It's in what we call Turkey today. And what's happening with this group of people? Because this is a letter to a group of people. Someone has sown a heresy in their midst and Paul is writing them a letter to correct this doctrinal error, pointing to the preeminence of Christ in all things. And there are four points that I'd like to bring out of this small text tonight with you. Number one, he is, our friend Paul, joyful in suffering. He is joyful in suffering. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of of his body that is the church. Now let me just say, a, open and close a little parenthesis here. Don't get confused. What Christ did on the cross was complete. It was efficacious for our salvation. There is no need for more work for our salvation. So when Paul says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, what is he meaning there? It's a tricky little passage, it feels like. What is he meaning? He is meaning simply this, that the church is going to suffer. My friends, the church has suffered from the first century until now. We in the West have been spared so graciously from suffering for the gospel's sake. But this is not the case all over the world. In many countries of our world, people today still suffer for the sake of the gospel. Because the powers of this world and the principalities and the powers that try to destroy God's work and what he's doing in your life and our lives, in all of our lives. He is active until Jesus comes back. He is going to try to trip us up. He's going to try to destroy our faith. He is going to try to make us suffer. And in some instances, he will make us suffer. The church needs to be ready, sold out, to Jesus, that come what may, come what may, even in the United States of America, we will hold fast to the faith. We will not deny our faith in Christ. And friends, 
The things that I see coming down the pike, even in this nation, give us pause and cause us to pray fervently because we could, in the future, very possibly experience tribulation, trial, suffering. Paul tells us, don't worry. Jesus is with you. He is with us. No matter what, and we may find that joy in the moments of suffering. We have been promised his presence no matter what, even in the midst of suffering. But we have not been promised a life completely without suffering. So we must prepare ourselves. We are in a spiritual battle. Amen? Are we in a spiritual battle? Yes, we are. Paul embraces his suffering. James says, consider it. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul says, consider it joy. I am, James says, consider it joy. Paul says, I embrace my suffering. I am joyful in tribulation. You might remember the, the Dutch Christian lady, Corey Ten Boom. We say boom in English because her last name is B-O-O-M. But in Dutch, a double O says O. Corey Ten Boom, a Christian Dutch woman and a watchmaker in the city of Harlem, the Netherlands, who participated with her family in the Dutch underground resistance movement against the Nazis during the Second World War. She and her entire family were eventually imprisoned and put in German concentration camps. All of them died except for Corrie. The barracks where Corrie and her sister Betsy were kept in Nazi concentration camps in the particular camp Ravensbrück was terribly overcrowded and flea-infested. They had been able to miraculously smuggle a Bible into the camp, and in that Bible, they had read that in all things, they were to give thanks, and that God could use anything for good. Betsy decided that this meant thanking God for the fleas. This was too much for Corey who said that she could do no such thing. Betsy insisted. Betsy was the older sister. Betsy was the one leading the Bible study. Betsy said, we will give thanks in all things, even for the fleas. Corey relented and gave in and prayed to God and thanked him even for the fleas. Over the next months, a wonderful but curious thing happened, and they found that the guards never entered their barracks. This meant that the women were not assaulted. It also meant that they were able to do the unthinkable, which was to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. Through this, 
countless numbers of women came to faith in Christ. And only at the end did they discover why the guards had left them alone and would not enter into their barracks. It was because of the fleas. Paul says, I rejoice in suffering. It's hard to rejoice in suffering. It's not an easy thing. But it is a choice we have. It is a choice that God puts before us. And if we choose to worship, we choose to praise, we choose to rejoice, he will manifest himself in a way that perhaps we have never experienced before. How many times have we heard people say that in the midst, believers, in the midst of their darkest days, the presence of God was the sweetest to them. So we choose. We set our face like flint. We say, now, before any suffering might arise, we have decided. We decide to follow Jesus and to rejoice in all things. Secondly, Paul gives us a glimpse of something in verses 25 to 27 where he's talking about or we interpret from this passage the practicing of the presence of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed To his saints. To them. God chose to make known. How great among the Gentiles. Are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. As a minister of the gospel. Paul says that he has been called by God. To fully announce. Some versions say. To present the word of God. In its fullness. To make full the word of God. We as believers emulating Paul. We fully announce the word of God. We are doing so through all that is in us. And by the persons that we are. Filled with God's spirit. It's more than just. Proclaiming with our words. It's living Jesus before others. Now don't get me wrong. Because I'm coming back to the words in just a minute. Some of us would like to never say a word. And just live. And then others of us would like to say lots of words. I fall into that category. It's both and. It's more than just proclaiming our words. It's living Jesus before others. It's allowing the spirit. 
to be manifested in and through us. It's practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our thoughts and in our actions, in our studies and on our jobs and in our families and with our friends. This mystery of which Paul speaks in verses 26 and 27 is now made known. It is being revealed, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And if you're not of Jewish origin in here, we're pretty much all Gentiles. Thank God that the gospel was announced to the Gentiles too. And what exactly is this mystery? Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. It's the embodiment of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine. It's the manifestation of the transformative power that God is capable of doing in you and in me. To make full the word of God. During the upheaval of the 17th century in France. There was a lowly lay monk. Whose job was to help in the kitchen. Of a monastery where he lived. But this man understood something deep within his soul, namely what it is to live simply to please God in whatever we do in our lives. From the extraordinary to the mundane. He was so in tune with the spirit of God that his higher ups came hearing of Lawrence's wisdom to interview him on several occasions. And when he died, several pages of notes and letters were found among his personal effects. They were later published under a small book, under a title called The Practice of the Presence of God. And they have been a classic in spiritual literature for centuries. He says... Brother Lawrence, as he is known, let us think often that our only business in life is to please God. Perhaps all besides is folly and vanity in everything we do and everything that God has called us to. In every situation we find ourselves, let us seek to please the Father in how we live, in how we act, in what we say. Lawrence says, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it, se- <clears throat> Excuse me. and it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet, it might be so simple as we have seen tonight. Is it not quicker and easier? Just to do our common business that we do each and every day. Wholly for the love of him. Have you ever had somebody tell you that there's just something different about you? And they couldn't put their finger on it. They didn't know exactly what it was. But there's something different about you. And you know. That it's because of the spirit of the living God who is within you. 
And that opens a door of opportunity to share about your faith with others. Joyful in tribulation, practicing the presence. And then Paul leads us to another point in verse 28. Proclaiming the message. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Proclaiming the gospel message. The gospel message. The good news. The Greek word is euangelion. Meaning good news. It's the good news of Jesus. It's the good news for humanity. Who is the we that Paul is referring to? It's the church. Believers who are walking with Christ. The mystery that was hidden for so long but is now revealed to the saints. Who are the saints? Again, us, the church. We are the saints. And we proclaim the message. So we practice the presence by living the message. And we proclaim with our words the message. Both and. We live it and we tell it. As God brings the opportunities and the doors open, we tell it, we proclaim it. The good news. Admonishing, warning, teaching everyone. And then Paul says in verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul is now saying we labor in service. We are joyful in tribulation. We practice the presence in how we live. We proclaim the message with our words and our actions when the doors are open to do so. And we labor in service to God and to one another. Paul completes this chapter in Colossians by saying, To this end, in some versions, to what end is he referring? Presenting every believer perfect. In Christ. Now, I think the King James says perfect. Now, by the word perfect, he is not meaning without any imperfection, without any weakness, without any need for growth. Another word that is used sometimes in this trans- these translations is complete. Perfect in the sense of being complete. To this end, complete or mature, that we might arrive at spiritual maturity in Christ. To this end, I toil, I struggle, I labor with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Now, follow with me for just a few minutes. Back to verse 29 or in verse 29. 
Paul is saying that his goal is to see every believer complete or mature in Christ. That Jesus becomes their all in all. And that in him and through him and by him, they live and move and have their being. As this same apostle Paul told the Athenians in Acts chapter 17. Paul says, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. What does he mean here? Struggling. But Blair, I thought that we're not supposed to have a works-based religion. We don't. Jesus accomplished it. Struggling. Why is Paul struggling? Well, let me explain it to you. This, this word in the Greek is agonizomai. What do you see as an English word when you see that word agonizomai? Agony. Agonize. Agony? Agonize? Yes, friends. Sometimes we are agonizing in the spirit interceding for our unsaved loved ones because we want to see them come to faith in Christ. We are laboring, we are struggling in prayer, not against God, but with the Spirit of God so that the work of God might be accomplished in the lives of our loved ones. It's what we used to say many years ago, travailing in prayer. Travailing in prayer. Struggling, working in prayer, giving ourselves to prayer that the Spirit of God, the hand of the Father would be moved in the lives of people that we love and care for. So Paul says, he's struggling, he's laboring, he's agonizing, if you will. But here's the beautiful part of that agony, of that struggle. With all his energy. Whose energy? Paul's energy? No. Not at all, because Paul, even the Apostle Paul, does not have enough energy. He needs the Spirit's energy. His energy, God's energy, energia, the energy of the Father. I struggle in prayer, I labor in prayer, I travail in prayer. With the energy that God infuses into me by his spirit. And then it's not so much on us where we're carrying the burden. But we're entering into the will of God for the sake of humanity. With all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Two Greek words together. Dynamis energeo. Together. Powerfully works. What do you see as an English word there? Dynamis. Dynamite. He powerfully as I agonize, struggle, travail, toil in prayer, laboring, in service. 
He infuses me with his energy that is an explosive energy enabling me to continue to labor and serve and intercede and pray and believe because it's his energy that is explosively working within me to effectuate his will in the lives of people around us and in my own and in your own. And this gives us a glimpse of how when we feel that heaviness, that burden to pray, For a situation, a circumstance, a person, a friend, a loved one, a co-worker, a classmate. That's how the Holy Spirit is therefore putting on our hearts and saying, come away for a few minutes and pray and intercede and labor and labor. And labor with me. Work in tandem with me. As the Spirit of God is active and moving and speaking to us. Work in tandem. Labor in tandem. With the Holy Spirit of God. For His purposes in the earth. And so Paul says... I am joyful in tribulation. I am joyful in tribulation. I embrace the circumstance that I find myself in for the gospel's sake. I practice the presence of Jesus wherever I go. By who I am, by who we are, we are Jesus' followers. We are disciples of Christ. I proclaim the message with my words as he gives me an open door. As he gives me the courage, young people, To stand in your generation and to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a disciple, and I'm proud to be one. And this is why I believe what I believe. And finally, laboring in service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And representing our friends and family and co-workers in prayer and in intercession. We are representing them. Do you know that some people do not have anyone in their families to represent them before the Father? You might be that one friend that one co-worker, because they don't have 
anyone in their family who is a Jesus follower. And so God is calling us to labor, to represent others in prayer, in intercession, so that he, through his his great dynamic, dynamite energy by the spirit of the living God might accomplish his will in those lives and in the earth. Amen? Can you stand with me as we pray together tonight to close out? Oh, Father God, we are so thankful. We are thankful for your word that gives light of life. We are thankful for the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Colossians, encouraging them to stay the course and keep Christ first and foremost. We thank you, God, for helping us to be your representatives in the earth, for helping us, Lord, to practice the presence. To proclaim the message and to labor in service to the King of Kings. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. The altars are open if you'd like to pray. If you'd like to solidify this word in your heart, if God has spoken something concretely to you tonight and you want to solidify that come we thank you God we ask you to help us to be joyful in every circumstance and we ask you Father to help us to represent you well help us to represent you well Give us opportunities and open doors that no man can shut and give us a courageous spirit to speak for you, to step in to the open door, to step in to the invitation when you open it, when you give it. When someone asks us why we believe what we believe, help us to step in courageously to 